0: quick and to the point. Um, I know it's uh, I heard Brother Porter's stomach rumbling <laughs> and then my start stomach starting to rumble then Brother Marzette I'm sure is thinking I'm hungry too. Um, you know there is a psychological component to rumbling stomach. Um, the you know the you hear somebody else's stomach rumbling, you know what that means. <coughs> And because you know what that means, you reflect on your own <coughs> hunger, and then your stomach starts to do its thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, what I want to talk talk about is something likened to that. And I'm going to use an analogy. Um, it's the best one I can think of at the top of my head. Um, I apologize again, Sister Garner, because I know I'm going to hear it when I get into the car. So... <laughs> The topic of my lesson this morning is gain. Um, what is gain? What does it look like uh, from a spiritual context? And, and you know, what we can do in order to spiritually gain. Uh, I want to start off by talking about... Good morning, sister. Happy Mother's Day. I um, want to start off by talking about gain for a second. Um, gain, what does that mean? Uh, When I think of the word gain, I I think of I'm getting better, I'm accumulating more of, I'm getting closer to um, my objective. That's what I think of as gain. Um, Now some people think of gain as something a little different, right? Um, Some people look at gain as gaining just for the sake of achieving. Um, I was uh, talking to the uh, kiddos yesterday. And I told them you know what you need to get into your room and clean it because they had they had clothes everywhere dirty this you know food wrappers the dogs like to go in there and sniff around and (laughs) Eat the 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 food that they left in their room Um, So I said hey you guys need to clean up their room clean up her room yesterday. And so they, they did that and um Allison had accumulated a large pile of medals from this academic pentathlon competition, right? And I said, Well, where are the medals? Because I was looking around for them, right? And she goes, They're in the medal box. And I was like, Huh? She's like, They're in this hat box where all our medals go, right? And I was, and I thought about, Why would you put, you know, an artifact, a uh, uh, you know, a, a, a signification of what you've gained into a box. What's the purpose of going to the competition and, and working so hard and studying if you're only going to take what you have gained and put it into a box? <laughs> I thought that made absolutely no sense. You know, it's kind of like uh, people who eat and then make themselves throw up. Mm-hmm. Right? It's Why would you go through all that effort of ingesting food that is tasty and somebody prepared it only to purposely Mm -hmm. do away with it? What is gain? How do you define gain? I mean, are you looking at gain in the context of I do something and then, uh, or excuse me, are you looking at gain as simply a cause and effect, meaning I do something? so that I will get something? Okay, and if you're looking at it that way, then what do you do with the something that you've gotten? If you just put it into the metal box, is that truly a game? Right, the kids kids were studying about uh, uh, the Civil Rights Movement, right? Or no, 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 it was World War 1960s, right? So she studies hard, she gets the medal, and she forgets all the material. Is that truly a gain? Right? I, I did, there was a cause and effect. Obviously, I studied, I learned, I got a medal. But is it truly a gain if I don't do anything with it? If the byproduct of the cause and effect is not of value to me. So keep that in mind. I, I, I That's just, you know, word, you know, just a, an opening um, for your general perusing and, and uh, thought. Um, I want to start off by talking about or reading from the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And there was a man by the name of Solomon who was the king of cause and effect. He understood cause and effect. Um, in the first chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, um, he, he, <laughs> he very plainly tells us about cause and effect. He says, um, you know, all the things, and, and, and this is the 8th chapter, excuse me, the 8th verse of chapter 1 of the book of Ecclesiastes. He says, all things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ears filled with hearing. He understood that cause and effect, right? That man's purpose, I mean, just uh, a random human being Um, Absent the Holy Spirit, let's say. Just a normal person. All mankind, right? We are addicted to cause and effect. We understand that if I want something, I have to do something in order to get it. We're addicted to the effect, if you will. Right? I know i got to go to work to get money, because I love money. I know I have to... uh, I know I have to dress... You know... To the nines, if you will, because I enjoy the attention that comes along with it. We all understand cause and effect. I mean, that is something that is a part of our our genes, a part of our genetic code. I know that in order to be loved, I have to first show some form of love. In order to be a friend, I've got to be friendly, right? In order to be attractive, I have to dress a certain way, right? We all understand cause and effect. And that's what Solomon talks about. He says that mankind, including Solomon, is addicted to this relationship. So what did he do? He said that with all of the money, with all the substance that he had, he went about doing things that, that he, he did things that would cause the effect of making him happy. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, <clears throat> again in verse number 8 he says or let's start from verse number 4 of Ecclesiastes chapter 2 he says I made me great works and I built in me houses I planted me vineyards I made me gardens and orchards I planted trees and in, in them of all kinds of fruit why did he do that why do people <coughs> plant vegetables why do or excuse me rather why you don't plant a vegetable you plant a no. seed Thomas um, but why do people plant seeds? Because they know in order to get the fruit and the vegetables that they want, they got to plant a seed. And so Solomon talks about this. He says, I did these things for a reason. I planted these trees, these orchards, these vines. Uh, in verse number 6, he said, I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth trees. I got me servants and maidens. I had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. He, you know, he's, he's, he, he's saying, I did these things for something that you'll see here um, in verse number nine. He did all these things for an effect. Uh, in verse number eight, he says, I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasure. Of of kings and provinces I got me men singers and women singers getting tired just reading all this and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts he did all of these things for a reason why verse number 9 says so I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem also my wisdom remained with me. Why did he do that? Well, again, it goes on to say in verse number ten, and whatsoever mine eyes desired I kept not I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked and all the works that my hands had wrought in the labor that I had labor to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. So Solomon understood cause and effect. So he did all of these things, he spent all of this money and all of these resources for the effect of what? To fill his heart with joy, as it says in verse number 10. The reason why I was upset or annoyed with Allison when she said, I put all of those medals into this box. I was upset because she didn't put them up for me. I work hard, brothers and sisters, to provide a home, to provide an environment where my kids can learn and be studious and achieve, and when they achieve, I want them to put their medals up so I can stand and look at it and be filled with joy in my heart, looking at the effect of the cause, or the byproduct of the cause. Of all the things I had done, she put them in a box. And guess what? When she did that, it vexed my spirit. So I was like, well, then what was the point? What was the point of me going to the award ceremony if she's going to take all that stuff and put it into a box where nobody can see, along with all the other various medals? Softball, soccer, tiddlywinks, whatever. I, I, I sacrifice. Aren't those games my game? put him in a box. Solomon understood this. He understood that even with all the things that he did, and all the greatness that was Solomon, such that, as it says in verse number 9, he was the greatest of any man that lived in Jerusalem before and certainly after. Well, what does it say in verse number 11? It says he looked on all the works of that his hands had wrought and all the labor that he had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit under the sun. So what is gain? Is gain truly a gain if you're not able to take what you have done, all the work that you have achieved and, and do something with it, keep it, if you will, and make it profitable for you in the long run? Solomon understood that all physical things are vanity and vexation of spirit. They have no value. <coughs> they are simply just an artifact. A replica, you know, a skeleton of. They don't have, they don't have substance. They cannot continue to feed you on a daily basis. They cannot. They do not continually fill your heart with joy. Okay, what do you mean by that? Well. Flowers, plants wither and die. What do you got to do? You got to replant, right? Eventually, my kids will leave my house. I I won't have as much influence on their day-to-day achievements, and certainly I won't have as much impact on their day-to-day failures. What happens when they have kids? Can I look upon those grandkids and say, I've done that. That's mine right there. That their gain is my game. Now, brother and sister Marzette, they, they say, Well, you guys are great parents. But I say, Well, you know, everybody in this room has had, you know, a hand in their achievements. But I'll say this, what happens when I die? What happens when you die, Sister Bill? You know, will I be able to look back and say, hey, as they're continuing to live and achieve and gain, will I be able to look back and, and take advantage of that gain? Will I be able to say, hey, that's, that's me right there? Can I can my heart be filled with joy based on the gain of the living after I'm dead? No. It can't. Right? The scripture tells us that there is no hope in the grave. Solomon says that. If you read on in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, one of the reasons why it's vanity or it's vain and vexing to the spirit is simply because you can't take any of that gain with you when you die. I want to see those medals while I still have life to see them. Because when I know when I die, it's not like I'm going to be a a poltergeist or a phantom or some spirit still in their room you know after I'm dead gazing at those metals and saying yeah right no when I'm dead that's it in verse 18 of Ecclesiastes chapter 2 Solomon goes on to say these words he says "Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun why did he hate the labor that brought him so much joy you know, I, 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 I love that passage of Scripture. I believe it's in 1 Peter that, you know, uh, uh, an, an unstable, uh, oh boy, I'm going to have to go over here and read it because I don't want to mess it up. Uh, 1 Peter, no, I think it's in James. Yeah, James chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's uh, James chapter 1 and verse 8. That verse really rings clear to me with Solomon. He's a double-minded man. He's unstable in everything that he does because the work that brings him joy is the same work that brings him torment. How can that be? He's conflicted in everything that he does. He says he hated all the labor that he had taken under the sun. Why? Because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. He can't take it with him. It doesn't really, truly belong to him. Whatever he gains goes to somebody else, because when he dies, it doesn't go along with him. The Egyptians tried to overcome this, did they not? The Egyptians built pyramids, and inside of these burial these burial tombs called the pyramids, the pharaoh put all of his possessions. Right, he didn't leave it for his sons or his daughters. Not, it's mine because I need it in the afterlife. So he gained all of this stuff, and he said, "I want you to put it in my burial ground, so that when I die, my spirit will awaken. I'll take all of my gold and my silver and my." my precious jewels, and my dead cat, and my dead servants, right? Because they buried their servants in there too. Because i got to have servants in the afterlife, right? So I'm going to take all that stuff with me to the afterlife, because that is mine. That is what I have gained. But the Egyptians were willingly ignorant of the truth. Why, is, why were they willingly ignorant of the truth? Because when they opened the tomb of Tutankhamun, what was still there? All his stuff. Where did all his stuff go? It didn't go to his kin. It went to Billy Bob's Museum of Fine Art. It went to the... the what do they call that... Uh, the Smithsonian over here, the Egyptian National Museum over there, all of it got spread out, right? And if Tutankhamun knew that, what would he say? He would basically say exactly what Solomon is saying. I'm a great man. I've gained all of this stuff. But oh. <laughs> it's so tormenting to me to realize that I'll never be able to take it with me. And that is that truly a gain? Or is it a loss? If I bring in, or if I've got a bucket that I fill with water, right? I'm, I'm putting water in it such that it is gaining water, but there's a hole in the bottom of the bucket, and the same water that I'm putting in is flowing out the bottom. Is that really a gain? Am I gaining Anything? Or is it just vanity and vexation of spirit? It goes on to say in verse number 19. And it says, And who knoweth whether he shall be what? And this is the person that his stuff is going to go to, right? And, And Solomon was a wise man. He's tormented in the fact that he doesn't know if his money is going to go to a wise man or a foolish man. I know how he feels. I know how he feels. I'm not saying, you know, my my three kids aren't wise, and I'm not saying that they're they're foolish. What I'm saying is is if I die, and I'm not sure how much I'm worth dead, but I'm I'm almost certainly more worth more dead than I am alive, monetarily of course. <laughs> I tell Heather that all the time. But uh let's say we both pass away. And a whole bunch of money goes to the kids. On my deathbed, I'm going to wonder, man, that's a lot of money that they're getting. I wonder if they're going to do, if they're going to take that money that I've gained, right, I'm the one that put into that 401k. Are they going to take that money and use it wisely, or are they going to take it and use it foolishly? And that causes me to worry. That causes Vexation of my spirit. Goes on to say, And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over all my labor wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun, this is also vanity. Therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. What a horrible way to live. To be so wise and powerful. To accumulate so much. Only to know the truth that you will lose all of it. it goes on to say in verse 21, For there is a man whose labor is, is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity. Yet to a man that hath not labored Therein shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity and a great evil. For what hath a man of all his labor and, and of the vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun? For all his days are sorrows and his travails grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. I work hard, brothers and sisters in Christ, as I know all of you do. Show up to work on time and if not on time as close to on time as you can be. <laughs> that was a joke for those of you who know my struggles, right? But we show up on time and when we're there we work hard. Every two weeks we get a paycheck and we take those monies that we feel that we have gained and what do we do with it? We spend it on clothes that we're eventually going to grow too tall, too wide, or too short to wear in the future, right? We spend it on money. Uh, we spend it on food, right, that we eat only to take the food in our bodies digest and then a small portion thereof, right? We spend our money on a movie that we forget about two weeks later. We we spend our money on things that have no staying power whatsoever you know scripture talks about who can add an inch to his height I mean really if if I wanted to really gain spend my money on something that's gainful I'd spend my money on some height okay okay maybe you're not following me here maybe you'd spend your money on some more beauty or maybe you'd spend your money on more intelligence. Michael Jackson spent his money on lighter skin. Right? OK. You, I, I think what you're, hopefully you're getting the message here, right? That, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The things that we truly want in our lives, we cannot gain. Because our money can't buy that stuff. The things that we truly need in our lives, that have staying power can't be purchased by with with a job. They can't be purchased with exercise. They can't be purchased with anything other than, as what we'll talk about here in First Timothy, with contentment and godliness. The thing that we truly want to gain that has in power—the only way we can get it is with contentment and godliness. Now, I didn't come up with this. I mean, those are those are certainly words of wisdom, but if you go back and you read 1 Timothy chapter 6, what does it say? It says, contentment and godliness is great gain. Not the gain that Solomon is talking about here, right? Because we know that The gain that Solomon is talking about here is not really a gain because I don't own it. I cannot take it with me after I die. It becomes the possession of somebody else. Almost as soon as I achieve it, it becomes the possession of somebody else. Solomon said that he gained a lot, but it caused him travail and grief all the days of his life because he knew... It was like filling a bucket with water that had a hole in the bottom. It didn't really serve him very much good. It was vanity and vexation of spirit. If you have your Bibles, before we get into uh, 1 Timothy, I want to talk about uh, just a little bit here. If you have your Bibles, go to... um, Give me a second here to find it. Second Peter. And Second Peter um, chapter one and verse five talks about what? Uh, Paul's talking about, um, you know, the He's talking about godliness, and let me, let me start off by reading what it says in, in verse number 2 of 2 Peter chapter 1. Um, it says, grace and, peace, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given us unto us all things that pertain unto life and what? Godliness. Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory, and virtue, you know. So we we know that what the power is, or His divine power is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, Romans one and verse sixteen says, "For I'm not ashamed of the God, for the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God. The gospel of Christ is the power of God." Amen. And as Peter says here in verse number 3 that God has given us His divine power for what reason or for what purpose? What is the effect of the cause? He is, the cause is what? He has given us His divine power for the effect of what? To get us to know, to get us to understand the knowledge of Him and all things that pertain unto life and godliness. The power of the gospel of Christ, as it goes on to say in verse number 5, teaches us, is exercising us to do what? To build on our faith, virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the the idea being here that the thing that is really of value, the thing that we truly should want to gain is the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Because that's the thing that will continue after we die. What is it that you will take with you when you die? Nothing. Physically, right? What does the scripture promise us that we will take with us when we die? Well, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 and other scriptures you know, highlight that. It says... Be thou faithful unto death, and you shall obtain a crown of life. You know the uh, the scripture tells us also that the scripture is the New Testament is based on what better promises. What are those promises? Those promises that the New Testament scripture, the Gospel of Christ, is rooted on is that if we hear, believe, repent, confess, and baptize, and we live faithfully until death, we will obtain. A crown of life. If you don't believe me, go back and, and look what it says in uh, 2 Timothy, the uh, the last chapter. Um, what does Timothy say as as he's given his last will and testament? He says, I have fought the good fight of faith. I, faith. I Sorry. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness with the Lord The righteous judge shall give me at that day, not only to me, but unto all them also that love his appearance. So what do we take with us when we die? We take the promise of eternal life. And if that is the only thing we can take with us, then that is the only thing we can truly gain in this life. That is by definition taking a bucket that has no hole and filling it with water. It will retain that water indefinitely. That is by definition of truly what it means to gain. I am making an effort to live as a faithful member of the body of Christ in order to obtain eternal life. And when I die, I don't leave it for my kids. I don't leave it for my wife. I don't leave it for the government. I don't. It doesn't go into... The National Smithsonian Museum, or whatever the case may be, I get to take that with Thomas Garner. That is mine. That is the only thing that we can truly gain. That's the only thing that truly has staying power. That's the only thing that I can call my own. Everything else, when I die, goes to heaven, and when she dies, goes to Thomas, or however we divvy up that. Doesn't matter. It stays here. It's not mine. So when the Scripture talks about gain, that is the type of gain that God, that the Gospel of Jesus Christ is talking about, because that's the only gain you can truly gain. Amen. Okay, just to highlight this, in verse number eleven of Second Peter chapter one, it says. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you do all of those things, right, you build upon your faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly, kindness, charity, all of those things work towards what effect? They all work towards that one gain, which is an entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, turn to First Timothy. Let's start by reading First Timothy chapter. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 6. Paul tells Timothy, he says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, of what things? The Word of God. Why is it important for us every day to be reminded of the Word of God, and the only gain that we can ever gain. Because it puts things into context. Every year, April 15th, or whatever day the tax day comes up, how many of us are vexed with having to pay taxes? This guy right here. It's not that I, I do owe taxes. Let me rephrase that. It's not that I owe additional taxes. It's just that it vexes me, right, that I earn and I work hard only to pay 33% or whatever tax bracket I'm in and pay it to a government that spends it on a $10,000 stapler or spends it so that, you know, name your politician can, can go out and have a you know, wine and dine some dignitary from another country. And, and I'm not going to get political here because if I do, I probably won't stop. But what I'm saying here is that it is vexing to my spirit that the government takes my money and use it on, uses it on things that are not right in the eyes of God. I'll just leave it at that. But I got to pay it. It's a law. I have to pay it. It's vexing to my spirit that I have to do that. That I have to pay for contraceptives or abortions or, you know, for a, a pris, uh, uh, an inmate in a prison to have a sex change. I'm, I'm using extreme, extreme. Well, they're not so extreme because they've added. Yes. It's vexing. But it's important that I need to be reminded of truly the reason why I'm here on this planet the book of Ecclesiastes Solomon said that the whole duty of man is to what? fear God and keep his commandments my, my duty is not my sole purpose on this planet is not to work to pay taxes my sole purpose on this planet is not to work to feed clothe and protect my children no my sole duty on this planet is to what? My, my purpose for the creation, or for my creation. Ecclesiastes, The I believe it's the full chapter in verse 13. Or mm-hmm. Let me make sure I get this right. It's the last chapter in the book of Ecclesiastes. I don't recall how many chapters there are. Brother Marzette, if you get there before I do. I think it's uh, mm-hmm. chapter 12. And verse 13. Yes. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Fear God and keep His commandments. Now, God's commandments do align themselves with paying taxes, right? Because, you know, the Scripture tells us that I have to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Right? I, the Scripture does tell me as a father that uh, a man who does not take care of his own is worse than an infidel. So, yes, His commandments do align themselves with the with the work that I do as a man on this side of life. However, I cannot put all of my stock in temporary gain. I have to put all of my stock in that permanent gain that comes with the promises of God. It goes on to say, um, in verse number 7, it says, but refuse profane, and I'm, I'm back in First Timothy chapter 4, First uh, Timothy chapter four and verse seven. It says, "But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Oh boy! If you're reading along, you see it before I'm even speaking it out of my mouth. What does it say? But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and that, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. What is Paul telling Timothy? Godliness is the work That renders the only gain that is of value. Godliness. Now, we can, you may be asking, well, what is godliness? Okay? Well, you've got to first understand, you first have to know what God is and who He is. That goes back to our lesson that we talked about uh, last Sunday. Who is God? What is God? 1 John tells us that God is love. Well, what is love? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us what love is. So if I exercise myself unto godliness, what do I need to be practicing? Love. Love. There's two commandments in the New Testament Scripture. The first commandment is this. Thou shalt love God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul, and thy spirit. Second commandment is like unto that that you should love God your brother or your neighbor as yourself. If you don't know where those are at, go back and read First John. It'll tell you exactly what those two commandments are. But they are centered around what God is, the essence of God. God is love. Therefore, godliness is love. So if I want to gain the only gain that can be gained, that is profitable for all, that is profitable unto all things, both in this life and the life to come, I have to exercise myself to love. Interestingly enough, if you go back and you read, uh, what is that, Second Peter, the first chapter, about adding virtue and praise, what does it say? It says godliness, and what do I add to godliness? Brotherly love. And what do I add to brotherly love? I add charity. It's all centered around love, because God is love. So, when we get to our scripture reading, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 6. Um, And we're going to read a few verses, right? So, let's start at uh, um, verse number 3 in 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, If any man teach otherwise... And consent not not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, into the doctrine which is according to what? Godliness. You see how it's all coming together. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, of all the gifts that have value, What is the most valuable? Charity, love. So when we look here, it says, if a man or a woman of the body of Christ consent not to wholesome words, and you know what consent means? means agree that it is truth. And doesn't consent to those words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to doctrine, which is according to godliness, he is what? He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strife of words, wherefore cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. And we're we're not talking about spiritual gain. We're talking about physical gain. Here's what I'm talking about, right? So a man of God who does not consent to the words of God um, and the love that is contained in those words, he's only concerned about getting members Baptizing people, right? Or how big the contribution is, or how much money we have in uh, the savings account, and all of these things, right? Thinking that gaining physical things that have nothing to do with love is, is, is godliness. Paul told Timothy to withdraw yourselves from that person. Why? Because they'll rub off on you. You'll learn lessons that are contrary to the will of God. You'll start to fall into things, and that's where we get the that's where we get the phrase "keeping up with the Joneses." <laughs> Did I learn "keeping up with the Joneses" as a child? No, that was taught to me. That was taught to me by society in general, at, at, at large, right? That gaining physical possessions is akin to godliness, are being better, are being more valuable, are being sanctified more than somebody else. You've seen it. Go to go to uh, go to you know a a denom a place where a denomination gathers. Right. They've got the big buildings, the pews with arches and and the crucifixes, right? And they've got the stained glass windows. What are they saying? They're saying, look at all that we have gained and we are closer to God than you guys are here because you guys just have a matchbox of a building. Now, they may not be saying that overtly, but they're thinking it. Mm -hmm. You've seen it. People come in to, to worship and they look around like, what? is this it's not like our building it's not like our services they have better we have better this better that it says again that these type of people are proud they know nothing they're they're they they focus on things that have no value stay away from them Amen. but Godliness with contentment is great gain. There's two things that we know to be true. When you die, that's it. When Brother Marzette passes away, I'm getting his BMW. I know that as a fact. Now I may have to wrangle with my with my with my in laws. I may have to wrangle with my wife. There's a there's a couple pistols that he's got that I've already those are mine. You know, these little antique uh, now Sister Tiffany she may say something different. But here's one thing that I know as a truth. That when he dies, they don't belong to him anymore. He can't repossess them. Because he's dead. And so Paul tells Timothy in verse number 7. And this is where I, this is the reason why Solomon was a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. This is the truth that Solomon knew in his heart. This is the thing, the cause that caused him to be so joyful in all the things that he created and so sad with all the things that he created. It says in verse number 7 For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. So what is gain? What is the gain? What is the only thing that we can gain? What is the only thing that has staying power? The only thing that Has staying power as the promises of God. The promise of eternal life. A mansion in heaven. Keys to the kingdom. All of those things we take with us. We possess them. Not with our physical bodies, with our spiritual bodies. And they transcend life and death. Amen. Amen. That is the only thing I can certainly take with me after I die. It's not tangible. Spiritual. So, when you read this verse, but godliness with contentment is great gain, you understand what Paul is telling Timothy. Mm -hmm. He's not saying godliness and contentment will get you more money. Actually, godliness and contentment will make you poor. But godliness with contentment will gain you spiritual life. The only thing you can take with you. So I gotta be. I have to learn to be okay with my kids being okay with throwing their medals in the metal bucket. I was gonna order. I, I spent like sixteen dollars on medals last night. I can bet you, as I don't want. I'm not a betting man, but I have no idea where they're at. I don't even know. These three kids don't even know where they're at. I bought them them. And you know what Thomas said? He said, I didn't need it. $16. You know what I could tell done with $16? That could have been gas, you know, for a week. No, but I bought it, you know, as a signification of their effort. Yes. But I have to realize, and not, in, and not just in those instances, but all, in all instances, that the only thing that I truly need to be working to gain is spiritual life." That is the only thing that's going to center me. That's the only thing that's going to keep me grounded. That's the only thing that's going to unify my mind and make me stable. Anything other than that, any other way of thinking will make me similar to what Solomon did. He says he hated his labor because he knew he couldn't take it with him. So what exercise are you exercising yourself to? You getting fit? Working out, trying to keep that that girlish figure? Knowing full well that when you die, it's going to be putting a coffin and that's it. I mean... (laughs) Mm -hmm. Are you rather going to exercise yourself to God? Amen. as we talked about last Sunday centered around love I'm not going to spend another hour or so redoing that lesson but um, if you want to know about love go back and read First John you'll see yes. be self evident go back and read 2 Corinthians chapter 13 yes. go back and read John 3:16, and come to truly understand the type of love that will make you, will draw you closer to God. No man or woman that seeks to enter into heaven should rephrase it. No man that or woman that seeks to go into heaven puts anything before their love Men. Amen. Think about it for a second. Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He was a carpenter. Paul was a tent maker. I mean, they weren't rich men, but they were rich in the Spirit. And the same can be for you and Doug. Um We have to give up, you know, whatever it is that we think, you know, we, we have to give up whatever it is we think that will make us happy or bring us joy um, we have to give up keeping up with the Joneses mm-hmm. you have to stop thinking about yourself more highly than you ought to think yes. you are a special person certainly God wouldn't have sent his sons down on the cross for, for your sins if you weren't but you are not all that in a bag of chips mm-hmm. oh, man. you are a humble servant Of God. You were bought with a price. You are His to do whatever it is He wants to do with you. You live for Him. Your body is the temple of His Spirit. So if you're here this morning and you haven't been exercising yourself with that mentality, um, you can get that right with God. If you've been... Vexing your spirit on a daily basis, focusing on gaining things that you can't take with you after you die. Stop doing that. You'll, it, you'll, <laughs> it'll lead you to an early grave. It'll it, it just fill your life with more anxiety and more worry and more angst. Stop doing that. Focus on what truly matters, what truly is there to gain. If you're not a member of the body of Christ, um, and I'm speaking to the young one in the room again, I I say this again, that before you become a member of the body of Christ, you have to hear the gospel. You have to believe it. You have to believe it when it says that all have sinned and come, come short of the glory of God. You have to believe that. You have to believe that there is a reason why you need to be baptized. Not that you're necessarily a horrible, bad person. It just means that you're unclean and unfitted for heaven. And the only way to get clean and to be fit for heaven and even for God's purpose, you have to be baptized. You have to confess His name. You have to repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. Be made clean. Be made whole. Be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And with that Spirit, live faithfully until death. There's a lot of work to be done. Have you gained heaven yet? No. You won't have gained it until you have breathed your last breath. And, you know, I look to um, the two individuals in our mess who are 89 years old. They can retire, pack it in, I've, I've done my work. No, 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 you haven't gained it quite yet. You have to be faithful until death in order to obtain a crown of blood. And so the lesson is yours. You have the urgent need to do so. Please continue. As we stand in the same song of invitation.